right now, I think one of the biggest resistance is for people to be able to elevate their thinking, to grow in their thinking, to expand their yes. thinking, to accommodate the, the new wineskin, the new structure change that God is implementing in his body right now. Encouraging, inspiring, and equipping leaders. This is Coach and Joe. Now, fire in the Carolinas, prophetically, I believe, is happening. I don't know if you guys recognize this or not. Right after the coronation of King Charles. Did you know that? I heard you mention it and it blew my mind. So, Michael, we need to, we need to talk about this. Okay. King Charles and his connection to the Carolinas. You and I have talked about this on the phone. Yes. Can you break that down historically? Yes. So King Charles, uh, who was just named king, we have not had a king, Charles, in England since King Charles II, yes. who presided over the charter in 1663. Come you on. You can't make that up. So it was, it was sometime, I don't know, maybe a few months before, I got a word from the Lord saying, when the queen dies, the church will be revived. Mm -hmm. arise. Oh, the church will arise. When the queen dies, the church will arise. I had to look it up. I didn't know if the queen, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know about you guys. I don't keep up with parliamentary politics. I didn't know if the queen Elizabeth was still alive or not. And I didn't know that when she passed, we'd be launching this church at the same time. And you guys will be doing fire in the Carolinas at the same time. Mm. And that the original King Charles II launched this charter, the Carolina Charter. Could it be that in this moment, Pastor Chad, God is expanding the borders of the Carolinas again and its influence over this nation? Well, he's showing me right now, you're launching the church with your family in the Queen City. Whoa. Come on, come on. Yes. This is, this is my, my theology, Alan. You ready for this? I'm ready. God is amazing, and, <laughs> and he's real. You know what's yeah. funny to me about the Father? He's an engineer and an artist. He's, he's present, he's future, he's past. He has an, he's just unbelievable. It's, it's like a tapestry that he's weaving with ancient history. It's coming to pass now. It's a part of his plan, and for whatever reason, the Carolinas are like a Shechem hmm. to God. It's like a, it's a Shechem. So Michael wrote a book called Igniting Cities. I want you to talk about how the Carolinas are like a Shechem and what happened at Shechem over and over and why God just loved that area. Okay. Shechem in the Bible, biblically, there's important events that happen in this one small village throughout the entire Old and New Testament. We see it first appear in Genesis 12, 1. And when God calls Abram, into the land, the promised land, when Abraham gets to the promised land, the first place he stops at, Genesis 12, 1, is Shechem. Mm -hmm. And in Hebrew, Shechem is the land of the shoulders. Now, when I, when I read that, the thing that jumped out to me was Isaiah 9's prophecy, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. Yeah. And so I believe Shechem is a sign, it's a sign that this land is connected to God's government. And so Abraham starts the Jewish race. A lot of people don't think that way. You know, Abraham wasn't Jewish. He was called out of the land of the Chaldeans. And God initiates the Jewish culture through Abraham, the father of faith. So at Shechem, this is a massive encounter. Well, take a step forward in history. After, after Abraham, it's the first altar, by the way, that's built uh, in Israel's history is at Shechem. Joshua. So fast forward a couple hundred years. Joshua, when he brings 
the Israelites from Egypt back into the promised land in Joshua 24, he says he assembles the nation. He ratifies the covenant, the law. And this funny statement at the very end, they do something very bizarre, very odd, Alan. They bury Joseph's bones at Shechem. Hmm. Joseph, his bones. Now think about that. Because they wandered in the desert for how many years? 40 years. So they carried a coffin for 40 years. <laughs> Joseph had already been dead for 400 years yeah. before they even started the journey. So his remains are 400 years old plus. What honor they had for Joseph in his, his body. They put it in the ground at Shechem. And here's the last part of this whole thing. Go to the New Testament. John 4, the only passage about the woman at the well. It said, when Jesus was tired, he went to the town called Sychar. Sychar in Greek is Shechem in Hebrew. And he said at Jacob's well where the woman was. And when you really unpack it, Jesus is basically in a cemetery. And he's standing on the bones of Joseph, which represents forgiveness and reconciliation. He's standing on the bones of, of Joseph and he begins to initiate a conversation with his enemy, a Samaritan woman, to begin to reconcile Jew and Gentile. She's the first one who receives the revelation that he's the Messiah. And the whole point of that is we can't ignore that, that God revisits the same place throughout history over and over and over. That's why Shechem is like the Carolinas. The Carolinas is a Shechem in the eyes of God. He has revisited this place over and over. Yes. And that's why there's a grace here. It doesn't make it better than anywhere else. It's just there's a grace here from that residue that's wow. available and accessible to the church in this hour. Yes. Well, it's interesting that not only that, the reason why they were in captivity to begin with is because the Egyptian people had forgotten what Joseph had done. And in John 4, Jesus is reminding, sometimes the world needs to be reminded about the church's role and Christ's role in the earth. And I think God's about to do that in the Carolinas, kind of a resurrection. I think it was in Ezekiel 37, 38, where God said, I will be resurrected in you before their eyes. Mm. And I think that's what's about to happen in the Carolinas, that there's going to be a, a notable miracle that takes place that's going to get the world's attention. Pastor Chad, when uh, that word, by the way, about the Queen City, Prince Charles' wife is Camilla. That means helper to the priest. I don't know if you guys <laughs> knew that or not. Prince Charles' wife's name is Camilla. Camilla means wow. helper to the priest. Mm. And there's about to be an entire church service. The world is going to church in mid-May at the coronation of the king. The world's going to church because all eyes are going to be on the king in this service where they go through the gospel where he is anointed, wow. where the commission is given, wow. and all the world's eyes are going to be on it. I believe at Fire in the Carolinas, there's going to be a coronation here where God is going to begin to crown his people, and we're going to place the crown back on the head of Jesus. I, I've, yeah. I've released this word to the staff here probably three or four times in the past three weeks. I continue to hear, miracle may, miracle may, miracle may. Do I know what that means totally? No, but when you just said what you said, it just goes off inside of me. Mm. It, it makes me just marvel at God, Alan. It makes mm. me be in awe at the narrative he's writing. And so it makes me think of Henry Blackaby. Many years ago, he wrote a book called Experiencing God. And the whole premise was most people ask God to move in their lives, but biblically, 
you look to see where God is at work and you join that. Yes. And that's what's happening. God is undeniably at work in the Carolinas. I have lost count of ha- recently a professor from Regent University. Yep. He just feels led to move to Greenville. There's, there's something going on in this land, in the Carolinas, and I think we should just be on God's terms and join it. So why do you think people who are, you know, people who are in Virginia, people who are in Georgia, why should they come and gather for this? Why should they be interested in what's happening in the Carolinas? I think because where the fire is, and the, the fire's not a person, the fire's not a church, the come fire's on. not a city, the fire is God. Hmm. You know, you come catch yourself on fire, and then wherever he has ordained for you to lead, go back and take it with you. Well, the word Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, means free man or the song of joy of the liberated. Mm. That's what the name Carolina means. I really sense in my spirit, Brother Michael, that there is going to be a release of dominion, that this is where the miraculous is going to come from because God is going to release his dominion in the same way uh, King Charles II released that authority, that dominion over the territory from sea to sea here in the Carolinas. Do you feel that's coming? I do feel that's coming. I I think there's several things why this is important. You know, there's a side of the coin where, you know, what does the fire really do? God's fire. I mean, it awakens, it ignites, it it brings people back to life. That's just one side of it. The other part of it is then what do we do with the fire? How do we cultivate it? How do we grow in it? How do we develop it? How do we reintroduce it to where we're going? And that's what I love about the Carolinas because both of those dynamics are at play. And think about, again, go back to the charter. This is no small thing. That charter provided government Hmm. for the rest of the South. It, It was the birth of government. So in that charter, it gave language. It gave directives of how governors and all the states were to set up their municipalities, their offices, their structure, their governments. And that's something else that I feel that's burning in God's heart for the Carolinas is he, yes, he wants to release fire, but he also wants to raise up a new breed of innovators for his kingdom Mm. that will help structure out the new wineskin of the church. I'm getting wound up. I I want Michael to go into, we've, we've been having conversations for two years about fire and fireplaces. And recently, a very prophetic voice came into this house, had no idea that word has been a part of our culture here. And he said, I see fire and fireplaces over uh, what God's doing here in Greenville. Mm. Why don't you explain the importance of that? Yes. Well, we have to have it. We have to have both, right? A a fireplace without fire is useless, right? There's there's no, no point of it. But we also know a fire, if it doesn't have the proper container and structure, will end up burn out and it'll never maximize its opportunity. And so we, ha- we need both. We actually have to have both. I feel like there's been such a separation in the body of Christ of those two dynamics. Yes. And, and God wants to remarry them. You know, he wants to bring them back together. And I think that's why it's so important. If, if we don't have fireplaces then we can't move into the realm of sustainability, longevity. When I think of altars in the Old Testament, we don't think this way. Altars were actually for another generation. They were markers for other people later down the generations to come back. That's when Joshua, that's why he went back to Shechem. It's because that's where God first encountered Abraham. And so Abraham left a deposit that Joshua and later generations returned to. 
It's a fireplace. And so the fireplace is that sustainability. Here's what's interesting, Alan, on that conversation. So A.W. Tozer said at the end of his life, he could barely ever discern what God was doing in the present. But at the end of his life, he looked back and realized God was in every step of the way. Mm. When Michael came here, he gave me a word that I would carry the mantle of a minister named N.J. Holmes. I'd never heard of him. Yes. N.J. Holmes started the first ever spirit-filled college in America. Would you like to know where he started it? Come on. Greenfield, South Carolina. Yes. Wow. This man's the author of the book, Fire in the Carolinas. Michael carries a Cashwell fire. Cashwell was the revivalist that he wrote about. This man ended up finding out that he's actually related to Cashwell. So the man that went and got hit by the Holy Ghost in Azusa came to Dunn. All right, what am I saying? There's a burden that I carry. You know, passion and burden are not the same thing. There's a burden that I carry to create an innovative and different type of university that serves as the fireplace for a long-term uh, fire to burn in. Yes. Uh, what's, what's really, I should stop saying odd because really all prophetic is God, and so God knows what he's doing. There's an unusual amount of doctorate gr- degrees in the community in which I lead here. Well, ask yourself, why? Why are so many people getting their doctorate? Well, because God is bringing fire here and building a fireplace And he continues to show me there will be an innovative, online, active, different, not brick and mortar university. Because here's the deal. The father does not want to pour his fire out in in an end time way without an end time fireplace. Wow. Yes, man. Wow. That's so good. I I, I have to add one more thing to this because this is so good. This is the way I, I think of it too. Think of vision and culture. You need vision. I mean, we have to have vision. Without vision, people perish. But but culture will eat a vision. So how the culture is set is very important because culture will override a vision no matter how good it is. The fireplace is what changes and shifts culture. It establishes culture. So while the fire may hit and transform an individual, a couple people, the fireplace can actually shift nations. It could shift mm. policies. It could shift mindsets and worldviews and actually sh- turn the entire nation from the inside out. I, I, I think that's why it's so and, important. And the fireplace that the Father is building here, you've got to tell Alan this. The Holy Spirit led you like he always does. You found the roots of a Jewish schooling system and you realized exactly what God is doing here with the House of Prayer and with Garden Academy. You said, Chad... He's doing here what he did in the early church. Explain that. Took a deep dive into Jesus's day, the context of Jewish culture and how how education, how the synagogue, how all of that worked together. And basically everything was united. So in the local synagogue, you had elementary school. So they would go to elementary school where they were taught the Torah, the word. But they were also taught government. They were also taught the, the writing arithmetic, they were taught those types of things as well. Then after a certain age, they would go on to learn a trade. They would also teach them a trade that they could be successful in. That's why we see Jesus become a carpenter after Joseph, his natural father, his earthly father in the, in the Bible. But it all happened in the house of prayer, the house of worship. There was equipping, education, and the things of God, but also in commonplace, common sense things in the world. 
just like in the Carolinas, by the way, in the founding of this nation, that's exactly how the educational system was set up. Yep. Everybody gathered at church and they learned the word. They learned how to read. They learned arithmetic and then they learned to trade. And then all of a sudden we got, um, uh, teachers unions and things, <laughs> things shifted a little bit. Yeah. Those of you that are watching this right now, I think you need to make a pilgrimage. You need to make a journey for a paradigm shift to be made in your life. And in order to do that, you got to get around people who are already doing this, who are already constructing that fireplace so that you can build it when you go back to where you are. Get an impartation. The link for the event in May is in the description. Fire in the Carolinas. Pastor Chad, what, what else does God have on your heart for what's coming? When God touched Asbury the way he did, I saw a lot of people make a lot of comments of how displeased they were that the faculty, quote unquote, shut it down. The Holy Spirit took me into a swirl with him and he said, Chad, I intended Asbury to be a fire starter. Yes. What's happening now in this final reformation, it's actually the marriage between revival and reformation. Now, those are two different things. And when you get into a conversation on reformation, it touches all spheres of society and without fireplaces, outside the walls of what we call local church, by the way. I'm talking about this, this new wine being poured out, this end time wine, is going to affect everything, not just local church. And so the conversation at hand, yes, we want revival fire, but we are asking God for discernment on what does the model of reformation look like? I recently had uh, dinner with Bishop Bill Hammond, and we started talking together, and we started prophesying into this. He, he wrote an incredible book, maybe one of the last books he'll ever write. We are in an end-time reformation. And so a lot of charismatics love conversation on fire, but they think that conversations on structure is control. It's not at mm. all. God does not see it that way at all. And so we need to be careful before we bash different sectors God is raising up end-time apostles that will invade the political realm, that will invade the educational realm, that will invade the healthcare realm. And so I'm excited because I love the fire of God, but I have a passion for the structures of God, and both of those things are colliding for such a time as this. Well, it seems like people who want to flow in the things of the Spirit and want to be more organic, uh, see any form of organization or structure as a hindrance to that, yep. you're, you're kind of building the plane in the air. I mean, you guys are attempting to create this culture that can help fuel um, the revival fire that you're also cultivating there. How are you doing this? What are the, what are the, what's the step-by-step -step process that you're making? Um, you know, some of the mistakes you're making, some of the successes. How, how do you do this? A head coach is only as good as his assistant coaches. I don't care if you own a Zippy Mart, a football team or lead, or lead something like I'm leading. God has graciously brought me a lot of people around me that in many ways are more talented than I am. The first thing you do is you ask God for supernatural wisdom every day. The second mm -hmm. thing you do is you surround yourself with people more talented than you. You get out of the way. And I, w I would say this, Alan, recently I had an encounter with the Lord on a situation that I, I'm stewarding in my life. And he said, Chad, to the degree in which you control anything, I will take my hands off. And if you will take your hands off, then I come. It was a conversation I was having with one of my children about a decision they were making missionally. And the father showed me that I was actually trying to control it. I took my shoes off. I was standing on holy ground. And I said, God, I, to my best ability, I don't ever want to control anything. So if you surround yourself with people smarter and better than you, 
and then you give all control to the Father. He'll make you look like a phenomenal leader, but the moment you touch it, he will take his hands off of it. And that's mm. my advice to people that are stepping into this. And what's the biggest resistance you think that you see? Maybe, Michael, you can speak to this. Uh, that structure that is absolutely needed, mm -hmm. that the church absolutely does not want. Very simple. It's trying to transition from small thinking to larger thinking. I think a lot of times the resistance comes in what we've been taught, what we've experienced. You know, people, we're made up of three things, our tradition, our experience, and our knowledge. I mean, that's what we're made up of largely. And a lot of times... It's not so much in the kingdom. We got to learn new information. We have to unlearn old things. And so right now, I think one of the biggest resistance is for people to be able to elevate their thinking, to grow in their thinking, to expand yes. their thinking, to accommodate the, the new wineskin, the new structure change that God is implementing in his body right now. I think we don't pastor Chad as well. I and mean, that's, that's phenomenal. And we all need a, a heaping double dose of that right now in Jesus name, take the lid off as, yes. as you guys often say. Um, I, I think the church just can't receive instruction. I mean, they, any form of instruction is seen as quenching the spirit, any yes. form of correction, yes. any form of instruction. How do you cultivate an atmosphere oh. where instruction and correction is welcomed and seen as an aid instead of a hindrance? Uh, to me, the only solution to that is to proclaim, preach and teach the fear of the Lord on a consistent basis. Wow. Without yeah. that, it, it cannot be put into the ethos of an organization. Yep. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's so, I still laugh when Saul gets caught by Samuel. The first thing Saul does is he's more concerned about what the elders thought about him than what God thought about him. When David gets confronted by Nathan, the prophet, David says, what have I done to me and God? Hmm. And so the difference there is if you're going to be a part of the end time reformation, you better fear God more than you fear man. Most people do not like change. I, I read Steve Jobs' book recently. Most people on the earth do not like change. And Steve was such an early innovator mm. that he just accepted that he was not going to worry about the laggards, the people that he was going to focus on the one percentile. And the one percentile honestly led him to being one of the, if not, greatest innovators in the history of the world. He ignored the naysayers and he focused on the innovators. And then 20 years later, the laggards started following. And so you better wow. focus on God and not people's opinion. Oh, that's so powerful. So powerful. That's awesome. So now this event's coming up in mid-May. The link is in the description. People need to get there to get their paradigm shifted. Why should people show up one more time, guys? Let's talk about this. Why do they need to sign up? Why do they need to register to be a part of Fire in the Carolinas? Where God is, go. Yeah. And it's undeniable that the Father has ordained these gatherings, the, the relationship that we have with you, all of the prophetic signs, all, everything that's been happening. Uh, many times you just have to go. The hungry find food, and I just say, go for it. Come on, Michael. Talk I would to say, me. I would say the same thing. Um, you want to be where God is. You want to be where he's moving and where he's going. I mean, think about it again. In the Bible, there were holy convocations set apart throughout the calendar year in certain places in Jerusalem. And it was, a, it was an invitation for God to meet with his people. Here's the other reason I would say. We are also in some uh, seasonal times. We're right around Pentecost on the Jewish calendar. And I know biblically, 
God just seems more accessible during these mm-hmm. times. Uh, and it's a really, really strategic time to meet with him, to meet with the body and see what he's saying. Well, when the fire came down from heaven on Pentecost and sat upon each of them, many commentators describe it as a crown, that they were crowned. I really believe that there is going to be a coronation that takes place at this event that's going to be supernatural. Mm-hmm. A resistance in my spirit, growths, tumors, cysts, Mm. are going to dissipate and disappear in this meeting. I really sense in my spirit that uh, demonic oppression is going to be broken because of the release of the authority of God that's going to take place in this meeting. And everybody who can needs to get there and bring everyone you can. Registration, it's free to be there, isn't it? You can just just let us know you're coming. That's right. Yes. The Garden Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina. Pastor Chad Norris, Pastor Michael Thornton, thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for joining us on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Don't miss the Coach and Joe Talk Show on YouTube and check out coachandjoe.com for more resources, blogs, and merch. We will see you next time.